0: Hello, this is Philip Terzian, Literary Editor of The Weekly Standard, with my weekly podcast for the Books and Arts section for the April 14th issue of The Weekly Standard. As always, I've tried to put together a varied and uh, entertaining section that will both educate and form and uh, beguile our readers. Whether it succeeds or not is up to you, but we do our best Uh, The lead piece this week is a review uh, by Vincent Canato, historian at the University of Massachusetts, author of the brilliant book on uh, uh, the ungovernable city, John Lindsay and his struggle to save New York. Uh, Vincent Canato is reviewing a book entitled Machine Made, Tammany Hall and the Creation of Modern American Politics by Terry Galway ostensibly it's a history of tammany hall tammany hall being the uh new york democratic new york city democratic party uh which uh, ruled essentially as tammany hall from the early 19th century to about the mid mid to late 1960s obviously the democratic party is <laughs> very much still around in new york but tammany hall as a great urban machine uh, is no longer quite what it was. It certainly has has changed in nature. It was very much, for most of its life, a, a vehicle for the um, Irish immigrants who came to America in the mid-19th, late 19th century. It was their, their entry into American political life in New York. Tammany Hall, uh, uh, Tammany Hall actually was a literally a building, and there were a series of them over the years. Uh, I've used as an illustration for the piece, uh, a picture of Tammany Hall as it was in 1914. I think it moved one more time after that before uh, it disbanded as a building. But of course, Tammany not only ran uh, city politics in New York for a good century or so, but it was uh, absolutely synonymous with big city machine politics and the leaders of Tammany Hall, or sachem to use the Indian term, since Tammany was an Indian term, um, uh, were always uh, um, very powerful, very omnipotent, and very well-known figures, now largely forgotten. But the people they promoted, probably most notably uh, Governor Al Smith, who ran for president in 1928, were all products of Tammany. Um, Franklin Roosevelt was uh, a reform Democrat, ostensibly uh, very different from the usual Tammany crowd, but because he was an ambitious politician and wanted to be governor of New York and then president of the United States, he very early made his peace with Tammany. And I have a very nice picture in the course of the review with, uh, of FDR with Charlie Murphy, who was the Tammany boss in 1917. But Vince Canato has done a brilliant work here, I think, in in describing what Tammany was and what it meant to not just the Democratic Party, but to uh, uh, American democracy in the late 19th and early 20th century, and how in many respects, although big city machines are not always benevolent and not always such a good idea, um, some of the good that Tammany Hall has been largely subsumed by our memory of the bad. And he and the book do a, a pretty good job of of rekindling that whole debate. Next, I have a review of a, a book called The Lost Region Toward a Revival of Midwestern History by John Locke. The review is by James Seaton, who teaches literature at Michigan State University. But it's about the school of, of Midwestern historians who are very prominent in the early 20th century, um, most notably uh, Frederick Jackson Turner at the University of Wisconsin, the famous author of the the, the frontier thesis of American history. But the author, Mr. Locke, makes an, an interesting argument about the importance of this school in understanding uh, what America means and also what American exceptionalism means. I think the... Uh, the title, The Lost Region, is not so much about the Midwest, although he probably makes the point that the Midwest is uh, kind of flyover country, not only to journalists, but to historians as well. But it's a, the case to be made for rekindling the insights that the the, uh, the Middle Western school had in the early 20th century. Uh, very interesting piece. I, I learned a lot, and it tells us something about about American perceptions of our country, which are always evolving. A very charming, uh, shorter review from Lauren Zelt about a a book called Tomorrowland, the 1964-65 World's Fair and the Transformation of America, by Joseph Torella. Readers of a certain age will remember the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. It was the, as far as I can recall, it was the last great, World's Fair in New York. The previous one being a quarter century earlier on the, uh, just on the cusp of World War II. Uh, what makes the '64-'65 fair interesting is that it was really at the high point of American post-war self-confidence. It was, I think, the theme was peace through understanding, but it was a kind of celebration, as world's fairs tend to be, of our ever-growing and ever-changing and ever-improving world, of uh, all the wonders of science and technology bringing us a greater and more exciting future. And, of course, it took place right at the edge of what we think of as the collapse of that kind of confidence in the late 60s. Uh, and so the New York World's Fair, uh, in some ways, is symbolic of, of a kind of a last gasp of that American confidence and optimism that... Was lost for a generation or so. The World's Fair, of course, physically uh, uh, still exists in the form of the Unisphere, that that steel globe, which I guess still stands over there near near Laguardia Airport. But the book itself is about the uh, the world of the fair and also the the world outside the fair in the United States. And Lauren Zelt describes what what was going on both. In American society in the mid '60s, and how it was reflected in the in the in the in the World's Fair. Very interesting piece. Next, we have a, a timely piece by Gabriel Schoenfeld, who's a, a, a foreign policy expert and writer, uh, former advisor to the Mitt Romney presidential campaign, and it's a review of. Uh, John Rizzo's book, Company Man, 30 Years of Controversy and Crisis in the CIA. John Rizzo is a lawyer who was uh, spent his career as a lawyer for the CIA. And this is fundament- this book is fundamentally a memoir of those 30 years and how the CIA evolved in that time and how the challenges that faced the CIA evolved in that time. But it has particular relevance at the moment because the the fight that's going on right now between the CIA and the Senate Intelligence Committee and notably uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein about the CIA's activity during the war on terror and more specifically during the, the hot wars in Afghanistan and Iraq is uh, in the headlines at the moment and Rizzo was smack in the middle of all that. He was very much involved in in uh, pondering and adjudicating the legality of, of um uh, 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 enhanced interrogation techniques, as we call them, and uh, rendition and the other uh, uh, practices of the CIA, which became politically controversial, and I suppose still are, um, certainly were controversial as far as the Obama administration is concerned. John Rizzo is fundamentally a defender of all those practices and uh, ideas, and I think makes a pretty persuasive case. Gabriel Schoenfeld, as the reviewer, is... Dissents from some of Rizzo's conclusions. He himself is very concerned about the use of, of torture in any form under these circumstances. But it's a it's a long and learned and very interesting discussion of the whole subject, which I think anyone who's reading the stories at the moment about the the Senate report on this subject would probably benefit from from reading. Uh, the final. Uh, uh, book review I have is um, uh, by Peter Tongett, and it's a book uh, called Roadshow, The Fall of Film Musicals in the 1960s. I, I admit I ran this uh, a little bit, or I solicited this somewhat um, uh, with a uh, perverse uh, idea in mind, because I, I happen to think that the American film musical, while it had its golden age, had pretty much uh, it was pretty much spent as a force by the nineteen. Well, I would say the nineteen fifties and sixties. Some would argue otherwise, but but this is largely well. This is about the film musicals of the nineteen sixties, which I personally tend to think are are pretty substandard. Um, beginning with the Sound of Music. Don't hate me for saying this. Um, Hello, Dolly. And then some of the some of the, the sort of Bloopers of that era, the era now largely forgot. The happiest millionaire with Fred McMurray, Darling Lily with Rock Hudson and Julie Andrews. How the genre kind of had had become a spent force by then was no longer the the dynamic um, uh, genre that it had been in the uh, in the 1930s, for example, the Busby Berkeley, even the early MGM uh, age. Um, it's a funny idea and it's a, it's an interesting thesis. And I guess you could argue that it, film musicals have had something of a revival since then. But to me and to Peter Tongett, this was a, this was a kind of a leaden era in American musicals. The film review this week by John Pothoritz is of, uh, the new Russell Crowe film Noah, which is a, Uh, rendering of obviously the Noah story from the Bible, which has of course uh, evinced a lot of controversy in the country, largely between uh, people who are looking at it purely as a film and others who are looking at it as a a bit of heresy um, in an attempt to render the biblical story. Of course, the filmmakers have taken certain licenses and liberties and this this has annoyed some people who, Prefer their Bible um, uh, literally, um, but John makes the case that it's 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 a difficult thing to do, but that the uh, the 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 movie itself, while it has its slightly absurd aspects, is is an interesting exploration of the whole story, and no matter what you feel about. Uh, the literalness or the symbolic value of the Bible or whether you look at it as just some interesting stories or human mythology or whatever, it's interesting to see how this filmmaker has explored the explored the question. Um, and so I, before you see the movie, I would strongly urge you to read John Potoritz's review as always. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope it's a Readers will find this a rewarding section to read, and I will talk to you again in a week with next week's section.